I wasn't expecting this, but I'm feeling nervous as we're about to record this. This is so, so far outside our comfort zone. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of July 18, 2013. Well, you probably got everybody's interest piqued with your opening statement, Lee. Uh, <laughs> like, what is it that's so far outside their comfort zone? We want to talk today about how we're learning to accept the mystery of growing things. And I guess I'm emphasizing the word mystery. Things we don't understand, things we, things we don't necessarily need to explain. And to explain why this is so far outside our comfort zone, we should begin by telling you a little bit about how we came to this and what our background is. Both of us are products of a solid enlightenment education. We've learned all about gathering knowledge and applying reason and making observations, and that is the way we're accustomed to confronting the world. My background before coming to this was uh, completely as a social scientist. So, and and I'm I will always be that. <laughs> but we're just adding a dimension to you our. You are trained as an empiricist. You are trained as a statistician. You are accustomed to looking at the world through the cold, hard light of observation. I'm an attorney at law. I am, I am trained to apply reason and syllogism and logic to, uh, to resolve issues between people. And frankly, we're both really good at doing that. That's what we do very naturally. Well, naturally, that's right. And, and in fact, our instinct has been to teach others what we know, and what we know is based on, as you said, observation, you know, forming hypotheses that are it's grounded in theory, um, and we still believe in that knowledge and reason. And you need to layer on to that, that shortly after making the decision to become farmers and moving here to Longleaf Breeze, we embraced the Master Gardener program. And which, we still as do. as you pointed out this right. morning, is all about applying research looking at, you know, what is it that others have already found out about this problem or this issue or this concern that I have, and what can we learn from their research that we can then apply to the, the problem the we face. The current problem, right. the issue we mm -hmm. face. Mm -hmm. so, so there's a but coming here, right? Yeah, there's a but coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I guess the but is the focus of today's conversation. Um, I guess to begin by acknowledging there is so much about this, specifically this idea of growing things, that we in our logic and experience and knowledge and research just don't understand. And, and maybe we should separate that from we don't understand it because we're still novices a little bit and don't just don't know enough. You're saying there's there's a uh, more of an ineffable 
um, situation out there in the world and exactly. in the universe that we can't know. Or am I? Are you saying that? <laughs> I guess I am. Uh, to use a scientific term, I'm forming an hypothesis <laughs> that there is a body of wisdom that humans perhaps can never know. Yeah. And not in this lifetime anyway. Um, and, and so where did we come? Where, why are we bringing this up now? Well, I think we've both begun to realize that there's a lot going on that surprises us every season. Some of the surprises are positive and some are negative. But we just <clears throat> applying, you know, what's out there in terms of research, etc. It does not necessarily line up in every instance with our experience, right? Exactly. And, and I, I liked what you said earlier. Well, one is um, the, we, we draw from folk wisdom. And yes, some of that, you could say that's empiricism. That's observation. Just as Aristotle, back in his day, was an empiricist. Um, and that idea is not new with me, by the way. But the idea is he simply observed what worked in the field of rhetoric, and wrote a treatise about it. So, yes, folk wisdom, you could say, does a lot of the same thing. They, they observed what practices worked and what didn't and how the phases of the moon were going, you know, when, they, when the blades rose from the grass or, you know, when the, when the grass grew better or the, or the crops grew better. And they wrote that down or, they, or more often <laughs> passed they passed it, it along orally. orally. They, it, it's only recently relatively speaking, that they've begun writing it. So you could say that, well, isn't that still just observation? However, there is much that you and I have learned from listening to folk wisdom that you just can't defend empirically. You can't, you know, Good Friday, basing when you plant your spring garden on Good Friday. When Good Friday moves around, that's right. From year to year, yeah. that seems at least on its face to be illogical. It's, it makes a great old wives' tale, but there's no way that could work. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Yet, it does seem to make sense, and that's I guess that's part of what we mm -hmm. say, what we mean when we say there's so much about this we don't understand. Yeah. And you know, like planting by the phases of the moon. It does kind of make sense when you think about if the if you have more moonlight at night. That's right. You can make an argument that there is a teeny, 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 tiny advantage to planting so that your tender shoots are going to greet the full moon. That's basically yeah, the that's idea right. of planting right. by the face yeah, of it, the moon. It, it, but it is such a tiny little advantage, yet it has... It has provided a framework for our ancestors for centuries. They've have been habitualized to plant mm -hmm. by the phases of the moon. You and I have not started to do that. We've not felt any desire so far mm -hmm. to plant by the phases of the moon. But we do watch the phases of the moon. We pay attention to them. Yes, and I keep a farmer's almanac calendar on my wall every year. That's the that's the only calendar I buy. Farmer's Almanac, and at the bottom of each month, it tells me when the full moon is. And, and a, did you know in July, it's going to be called a full buck moon? 
don't ask me why. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I keep up with that kind of thing. And at some point in my leisure, when that ever happens, I'm going to just clear my calendar and plant only according to the faces of the moon, just to see what happens. Maybe. Maybe. And you and I are Christians. We are Episcopalians, and we believe in prayer. So once again, you can't defend prayer according to observation, knowledge, reason, experience, but we believe it makes sense. We pay attention to it. We use prayer. We are praying people. And at the risk of sounding even more out there, when I'm out in my garden, I feel a real link and presence, in a way, um, a link to and presence of a couple of people I was really close to who were now have passed over to the other side, my grandmother being one of them, who the, these people were gardeners. They loved the earth. They knew how to work it. And I'll say, okay, Grand Grand, what would you do? Uncle Clyde, my uncle, was also an avid gardener. And actually, when he was living, gave me his old, he gave me an organic gardening book that he and my Aunt Betty had bought back in the 60s or something, before it was even fashionable. Maybe it was the early 70s. The point is, so much of that's still true today. So I feel this presence. My stepfather, Harold, who was a, a good gardener, I feel connected to those people um, and their spirits by being out there. I can't explain it. <laughs> and won't try. And won't try. Okay, now we go from the, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that makes sense, to the, oh my, uh, they are out there. And that is moving into this realm of listening to plants. I need to start by saying, Neither of us, I don't think, I, I don't. I have not, and I don't think you have, ever felt a desire to talk to our plants. I don't talk to my plants, but I curse under my breath, or sometimes louder, the critters that devour the plants. Okay. <laughs> uh, I've never felt any desire to talk to my plants. Um, however, during the past, oh, I guess maybe 6, 8, 12, 14 months, I have found myself, when I am working quietly in the orchard, listening to my plants. I don't know exactly how to explain that, but just being quiet and listening. And you're not listening for a voice or anything. You're not listening for Audrey, too, to come out. And Correct. <laughs> it's not like they're going to be speaking English to me. It is more trying to open myself to the spirit of growing things. Um, and I have the advantage that you do not, that I work in fairly close proximity to Sad Longleaf. We've, called, we've always called Sad Longleaf the mascot. Yeah, just a little background. It's, a, it's a, a little longleaf. I guess it was basically in the grass stage when we first bought Nearly the property. Dead. It was covered over the leaves. It was in an area that we were thinking at the time we might clear to put a house there at some point. We didn't. But And you were saying, ah, oh, that, that tree looks terrible and it's going to be a goner anyway. We're going to be... And I said, no. Something about that tree. I can't explain it. Just reached out and grabbed me and I, I cleared away the debris and leaves from it and you know made sure it... and. 
we should take a picture of that tree and put it on the show notes page or something just to show how a little sad, we called it sad longleaf. Its name is sad longleaf. It was approximately six, eight inches tall when we discovered it and bent over. It was not erect. It was not erect. It was, like I said, things had, the loggers had been there fairly recently. They hadn't cared about it and all kinds of stuff was on it. So bottom line is it's now a very healthy, happy tree. And when we cleared the, the newest expansion of the orchard, we made sure we kept, worked around sad longleaf. And sad longleaf now, I will say, presides over the orchard, a serene presence in the orchard. And will always, we hope, be there. Um, as long as we are. To remind <laughs> us of where we've come. Yeah, um, I think that's to, it. To uh, give us hope for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I, I, I don't want to give you the impression we think that we're trying to personify this tree. We're no, not. Nor do we worship the tree or anything like that. It's just that it, I think you're right. It's a symbol to us. Yes. And it also seems to um, embody the spirit of survival, the spirit of um, perseverance. Exactly. That's it. That we need. We need that inspiration. Yeah. And now this, you know, moving into another area, this this awareness, this listening to the spirit of growing things has made both of us, I think, even firmer in our resolve not to spray chemicals. We don't make all statements, and we won't, but I think that's that idea of not spraying chemicals on our plants is becoming more and more firm in our minds. It's just we'll do a lot of things short of spraying chemicals. Yeah, I, I mean, there could be an exception like a, an organic chemical that I spray on a trap crop. I'm not, after killing thousands of stink bugs out in my tomatoes this year, I'm not making any allness statements, but they will be organic if I have to do it. But but that's a and, an exceptional situation. Yeah, and that's really targeted at the the animals rather than at the plants. You're Absolutely, yeah. Um, we're just beginning to dip our toes into this. As I said at the outset, this is way outside our comfort zone. It does not come naturally to either of us. And we have so much more to learn and experience about it, including, as you pointed out, some a new applications for this that may be in our future. Yes, and I, I'm calling it the um, sentient beings making an entry into the farm. That is, um, although who's to say plants don't have feelings too? I don't know, but <laughs> you're saying they may. But I think um, we're entitled to use the word sentient. Sentient beings, and those would be chickens. You know, were we to get goats or something like that, or guineas? And we just don't know what the future holds. But um We've put fish into the pond. You know, we stocked it with some catfish, and we go down and feed them every day. And we really... And even though we don't have any sense of personalities for the fish, they are amorphous. One fish is the same as another. Well, one, you know, channel catfish is the same as another channel catfish. But I think it is fair to say that we are becoming closer to those fish. Absolutely. As we spend time with them every day, we learn more how they view 
the world, what makes them feed on this or that, when they like to feed, how they like to feed. Yes, and I, and so I think um, the fact that may, maybe there's a reason why we've gone very slowly into and introducing sentient beings, other than Audie, he's already here and he's definitely part of the part of the mix. Um, we're we're taking it slowly because we want to make sure we are ready for the responsibility and that we'll be sensitive to those those animals when they get here. Um, you know, I, I just don't, I know that we've got um, other sentient beings that we don't want around, like moles, voles, uh, mice, squirrels. <laughs> but then that's a balance of nature because we do want the hawks and the owls to come and help deal with the situation. Bats. Oh, we've had, you know, we talked last week about the horrible mosquito infestation. And apparently the bats are beginning to do their work because yes. the mosquitoes are less of a problem mm -hmm. today than they mm -hmm. were a week ago. And I think that 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 really, to me, is a is an exemplar of what we're saying here. It's all about the balance of nature and not messing with it. Um, bats were around here. We've seen them. And we didn't even build bat houses. But, you know, bees are around here. Um, not honeybees that we've cultivated, but, you know, bees, if we can allow the balance of nature to take it, you know, to take part, place, then um, we hope the ship will right itself. That is, when we have too many mosquitoes, the bats are there to combat the problem. That's right. And I, we're nearing the end of our time, so let me just finish with the thought with which we began, and that is... None of this is by way of saying we think the research, the knowledge, the observation uh, are not useful tools. We will continue to use them as the main arrow in our quiver. Yes. It's just that as we advance in age, maybe we're beginning to see that there are other realities that are not fully explained by logic and knowledge and research. And on that note, I guess we should say goodbye and hope that everyone has a great week and we'll join you next time. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.